Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ghost Spider Groupies, the podcast dedicated to Gwen Stacy of Earth-65, also known as Spider-Gwen and Ghost Spider, where we review her comics, discuss news, and give our opinions about all things Gwen-65. I'm Pax. And I'm Abigail. So for today's Week Wend update, we actually have a couple of bit of pieces. So first of all, Spider-Gwen Shadow Clones number one is already getting a second printing, but this is the kicker. It was already announced for a second printing the week before the book came out. Yeah, I mean, it would be surprising if it didn't, but like, they still just took it as a given, I guess. Is it a second printing if it's announced in advance like that? Is it, Could you count it? I think it does, because maybe uh, uh, Marvel was looking at the uh, pre-order sales numbers for Shadow Clones number one, and then probably when they ran out, they just decided to uh, order another printing. You know what, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah, no, good stuff though. Like honestly, I you know, we we've been saying pre-order and that is what they're looking at. So honestly, if it's getting a second printing like mentioned before release date, we might see a third if that second printing goes well. So Yeah, I think um, the last time Gwenverse sold for a second printing, but it wasn't until after issue number one was released, but the fact that the second printing for Shadow Clones was before release, mm-hmm. I guess that means um miraculously there might be a third printing after all yeah exciting stuff and the second piece of news is um there's gonna be this event going on in the summer spinning out of scarlet witch yeah steve orlando scarlet witch series called contest of chaos and it's gonna be a series of annuals pitting hero versus hero all because of agatha harkness and gwen's gonna be one of the participants yeah so um Maybe she'll get a solo comic from this, like an issue? Because these are a series of annuals, so what we do know is she'll get at least uh, one annual featuring her because uh, Contest of Chaos is going to be done tournament style. Mm -hmm. So depending on how well she performs in her matchup, she could move on to a star in somebody else's annual. Yeah, so we might see... um, But... but We'll probably cover the one issue that she's in, that's hers, and then, depending on how much she's in the rest of the event, consider covering the rest of that on the podcast. Um, but definitely give the Gwen bits of Contest of Chaos a look. We'll announce the solicit. Well, I, I, suppose, I suppose we'll put the solicit on the next week Gwen update once we know uh, what it is. Yeah, because Contest of Chaos, it's going to be launching in June, so we won't know for sure until the June solicits that her annual is going to be there. I feel like, yeah, right around June or July, she should be in there, mostly because uh, that's when Across the Spider-Verse is going to be released, so just to uh, coincide. Yeah. Like, they're probably going to give her an ongoing, like, by the time Across the Spider-Verse releases, or at least announce it, because... uh, well, Silk's getting um, a new mini. Spider India's getting a mini. Yeah. Um, yeah. We might see... I don't know. We'll definitely, I think, see her have another mini series like this. I don't know if she's guaranteed an ongoing, you know, because... Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. It, it really does depend. I think it'll depend on the sales of this as well, because the comic that we're reviewing today, Shadow Clones, uh, definitely feels a lot closer to an ongoing than anything we've had of Gwen since Maguire's Ghost Spider title. Yeah, I think this is because this time it solely takes place on Earth-65. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing her interact with her cast again, and, you know, obviously we're going to get into it, but having read this issue, I feel like they're thinking a lot more about Earth-65 and, and a Gwen title than maybe they were with Gwenverse. Not to disparage Gwenverse, but it felt very removed from other Gwen stuff we'd seen. So I have the uh, hope that maybe this is Emily Kim's secret audition. If they want to stick with her for Ghost Spider, then they'll just give this to her as an ongoing. I sort of think that every author, like every writer, is auditioning for more work later down the line. I think, you know, even Sim Seeley, at the back of his mind, will have been thinking, you know, if this does quite well, maybe they will give me more Spider-Gwen stuff to write. And... Yeah, um, I, I think I think miniseries are always a proof of concept. Like a miniseries is always like, this is what I would do for an arc of an ongoing. This is what it would look like. And, and, and always definitely a test of the sales, like sales proofing it, seeing how well it would perform sales wise. 
I think according to Tim Seeley, when we interviewed him last time, I think he said the uh, series did pretty well. It did. It did do well. I think that's why they've there's been such a short turnaround between miniseries, because it was less than a year. I think they must have gotten this creative team together pretty soon after Gwenverse, and they are sort of going into this with that in mind. Which is why I wouldn't be surprised if there's a third installation after Shadow Clones just to make this whole thing a trilogy. Yeah, I mean, that'd be neat. You know, the only issue is that I don't think there is a lot of connective tissue between these series. I mean, it's it's different creative teams, right? They've got David Nakayama on the covers, but the stories and, and style, I think, I, I, I can't see them being consistent across three different miniseries if they decide to change the writer and artist again. Well, well, both of them are run by the uh, same editors, Darren Shan and Kat Gregorowitz. Really? Oh. Yeah, the two of them have been editing Shadow Clones and Gwenverse. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess, yeah, right, that's fair enough. I mean, it would make sense why they keep essentially doing the same pitch in that case. But I feel like, where's Devin Lewis in all of this? Because he's Gwen's original editor. I, I think something was lost, maybe, with him not being on this project. Or maybe he he just wants to do the main Gwen stuff because he was still Gwen's editor in Gwenum versus Carnage. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I I I think that um, it'd be nice if we saw Devin Lewis come back because definitely he made sure that like a lot of the earlier Spider Gwen stuff had a lot of connectivity and kept a lot of the themes and stuff. But I guess we'll find out. Yeah. But I think anyway, uh, yeah, we should get into what we're reading for today, which also just so happens to be this is our 50th episode spectacular. Yeah, we've we've done 50 episodes of Ghost Spider Groupies. And I think it's only fitting that we kicked off 50 episodes with the start of a new Gwen series. Yeah, it is fitting. I, 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 you know, well done us, you know, like we, we, we did, we did 50 episodes of this. Yeah. Um, I think this was planning on mostly our parts. Yeah, no, we can take credit for this. I feel like we can, we can toot our own horns about, about this one. This is, this is a win. And, and I, and I feel like we've made, you know, a really nice podcast here and, and, and yeah, no, this is, a, this format works, I think for what we want to do. And only 15 more episodes to go until we reach Gwen's special number of 65. Yeah, we might have to do something for that one, maybe. Invite Maguire back on. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what we would interview her about again. Hypothetically, if there was another ongoing and she was brought back. Hypothetically. Yeah. But anyway, uh, that's going to be like further down the line, probably not until like next year or maybe not until the end of this year, depending on... Uh, what the performance of Shadow Clones is going to be like to green light another ongoing. Yeah, um, I think that honestly, if this if this got a second printing, they they are probably already thinking about more stuff with this. Didn't Edge of Spider Verse have like five printings? Yeah, but it's never going to match that. Like that was yeah, huge. No. Yeah. No, that's like the, the the highest bars. Yeah, I mean five. That's the upper limit. Like it it would never reach that. You know. Yeah, I think yeah, um fifth printing is the gold standard probably. Yeah. No, that makes sense. But uh yeah, did you want to start introducing what we're reading? Yeah, so uh we are now reading a new Ghost Spider Gwen 65 material. Um it's Spider Gwen Shadow Clones number 1. It's written by Emily Kim. It's got art by Kazama, colors by Triona Farrell. Um, so this is a new creative team. In fact, new is this is a new writer to Marvel? Is that right? A new writer, new artist? Well, Emily Kim, uh, she's done two works for Marvel before the uh, Silk uh, mini series that was done, I think, last year, and recently she's also doing Tiger Division. Oh, I'm remembering that. I'm yep. Oh, you're right. And she's been tapped to write another Silk mini this upcoming May. Well, yeah, there you go then. So she's 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 in the spider office. She's doing silk stuff. Um, so that's cool. And Kei Zama, they've done some work for Marvel before. They were the artist on this book back in, I think, 2019 called uh, Death's Head. Uh, and they also do uh, some art for the Marvel's Voices series. I think one of them was uh, uh, for the... Uh, uh, Asian American Pacific Islander issue. I think it was called yeah Identity, where they illustrated. I think it was Mantis's story. Uh, 
I have to go back and check. But the one that, that they recently did, uh, Spider-Verse speaking, was Web Weaver's story. Right, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so uh we've we've got um we've got those creatives on board and uh we've we're feeling we're feeling pretty good about about this team. And of course we've got uh, the covers from David Nakayama, the, the big cheesecakey covers that uh Spider Gwen Gwenverse started, uh which this uh like we've mentioned comes from the sort of same editors, same corner of the spider office. Because um, Gwenverse uh, appeared to do quite well on sales. They've commissioned a book with a similar pitch here. Um, so that's why we're, we're getting this, even though it's it's not it's not necessarily connected. Like it's not you know it doesn't it doesn't dovetail. I think anything from it. No, they finally decided to give Gwen her own clone saga. And I, I mean, I, I, mean I, I think we can we can see how it goes and and what happens. Um, and and you know what's said, we can we can discuss. Um, definitely for sure. But yeah, um, I. I'm excited. Let's get into it. So we do a synopsis with every single one of these. So we recommend we go that you go read this book. Uh, you know, look up your local comic store and go buy it there, or uh, buy it on Comicsology or the uh, Marvel Comics app, um, and and read it first before listening to the podcast. Uh, but we have a, a synopsis nonetheless, uh, just to get everybody on the same page, um, just so that we don't have to summarize every bit of the book that we want to talk about when we review it. So that's what's um, going on here. Yeah. So it's. Um, so yeah, we're we're just gonna start with this right away. Yeah. On Earth sixty five, Ghost Spider is attacked by the displaced six one six variants of Sandman, Vulture, Craven the Hunter, and Doctor Octopus. They battle through the skyscrapers of New York. As they do this, a couple, Bennett and Lila, work on a time sensitive science project. Bennett wants to leave and escape the fighting, while Lila insists on staying and finishing their extremely time sensitive experiment. The vulture crashes through the window, wrecking the project, while Gwen dies to put herself between the vulture and the couple. She uses her webbing to absorb a multi-grenade attack from the vulture, tells the couple that she is going to lure him away and that they'll be safe. However, she had missed one grenade and it detonates after she leaves. It kills Bennett, leaving Lila distraught and vengeful, blaming Ghost Spider for his death. Gwen manages to later successfully get the villains back to 616. A few months later, Gwen is woken up by her bandmate and best friend, Mary Jane, who is going on a road trip with the band. She's leaving Gwen with her house keys so that she can water her plants while she stays behind because of her spider commitments. While she's there, MJ reminds Gwen of her Shake Shack shift, but she still turns up late. There she banters with Matteo, with whom she has a good rapport, and the two go for food after work. Their sort of date is cut short by a nearby grocery store holdup, which Gwen leaves to go stop. As Gwen swings home, lamenting her inability to go on dates or road trips because of her commitments to the mask, she spots the silhouette of Dr. Octopus. This time, however, it's a variant of Gwen. The two fight around the circus fair, with Gwen getting dizzy after being thrown to an active merry-go-round. Spider lures Octopus towards the Ferris wheel. Ogwen's arms all reach out to grab Spider-Gwen just as she webs the controls, throwing the whole machine into action and tangling the villain up. Gwen removes a strange device from the back of her attacker's neck. Ogwen wakes up, confused and now in control of her body. She knows nothing of her villainous acts or of alternate versions of herself. The two go to Reed Richards of Earth-65, who Spider-Gwen convinces to help figure out Ogwen's origin. He confirms that she is a genetically modified clone of Spider-Gwen and Dr. Octopus 616. Before things can get existential, though, the three are ambushed by a new villain seeping into the room. Sand-Gwen is here. I think we just play that sound at the end of every episode now. It's it's just it's just the sound which happens. <laughs> it's great. Not all the time. I think it's only when something twisty happens. Yes. Well. Uh, or dramatic. It, it was dramatic. It was dramatic. I I agree. It's just like how last series, the twisty part when I played that sound was when the evil Gwen of the event was Night Gwen. Yes, that was that was the best. That was the best one. That was my favorite one. But yeah, a lot to unpack on issue number one here. Yeah, no, I I uh, I enjoyed this um, quite a bit. Um, I thought the decision to have six one six heroes uh, villains even at the start was interesting, though. I I would have preferred not. But I felt like there was a missing story behind that because I'm thinking like, what are we getting into? How did they even get here? 
I mean, I'm okay with not knowing. Like, it's just a sort of, it, it is a thing that just sort of, like, happens. Um, just, yeah. I mean, there are, like, Earth-65 versions of these characters that they can draw on. Except for Sandman, he doesn't have an Earth-65 counterpart that we know of yet. Yeah, but then that's like, a, it's an opportunity to make that character, right? And I think they missed a beat trying to make these, like, 616 versions and not, like the versions that it that it, you know they could have been like you know yeah which was why before the show uh we had this little poll running on the show's account asking everyone who wanted to vote who's the secret six member of gwen sinister six because that would be the cloner and uh, their poll closed and in the lead is the jackal mm. but he's nowhere to be seen here he isn't and honestly i think we have our culprit introduced to us here in the first few pages it, it's this lila scientist allegedly because we don't know if like she's the actual cloner or if she just commissioned the cloner possibly but i feel like setting her up as a scientist with a vendetta uh, very specifically against ghost spider has you know you know it's her right like it's got to be her yeah i I think I got a few Eddie Brock beats uh, from her where she just blames the spider hero for her misfortune instead of like taking accountability. Like, yeah, she should have got out there for her lab partner, but she just wanted to stay behind just so she can finish this. Yeah, I noticed that. And, and um, uh, I, I thought that not having like, like she's sort of almost like doing it to deflect from the fact that she is you know, responsible essentially for her friend's death. Because if, if she had followed his advice, they would have both been fine, like you say. Yeah, I think it's just like, you know, if your house caught on fire, you know, there are some people who want to get their things out first before escaping the blaze. Yeah, to their own detriment as well. <laughs> Admittedly, I think I'd be one of those people. If my house caught on fire, there's going to be some stuff I want to save first before I get out. Yeah, and um, I, I think that... Uh... <laughs> Like, like, it's a difficult thing to do. Like, you sort of understand why she's done it, but, uh, you know, she put her friend's life in danger and, you know, he died as a result yeah. of it. You know, he wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for her. Yeah, but instead of blaming the vulture who was responsible for that bomb, she just decides to go blame Gwen instead. Yeah, which is just, it's sort of an easy out, isn't it, you know? Yeah, I think, yeah, that's just the whole deflecting responsibility thing. Yeah. Yeah, but I think before we get into the thoughts, um, the Stacy swear jar is back. Yeah, we, we have a, a swear word. First time in a long time, really. You know, and I'm grateful. I'm, I'm glad. Our first time since Gwen verse number three. Yeah, which is which yeah. is too long, frankly. Yeah, so uh, the cuss word here was fuck when Gwen realized that she's late for her shift. So that brings the total to $45. Yeah, let's go. It was, um... Yeah, no, uh, it's it's it was it was good. I'm I'm glad to see Gwen swearing again. Um, it's a very yeah. big part of her voice. <laughs> well, Emily Kim did make Silk cuss in her mini. Yeah, Emily Kim. Yeah, Emily Kim remembers that Gwen cusses. Yeah. So um, yeah. Uh, it, it, let let that be like the only time that she swears, and you know we'll we'll be gotten all excited, and it was for naught. <laughs> no, I think uh, Emily Kim made Cindy cuss. I think two or three times in five issues. Oh, silk. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, I mean, it makes it is how people speak, right? Like, yeah. I I'm surprised if people write New Yorkers is not swearing. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. She remembers that Gwen cusses. Yes, fun stuff. And um, yeah, so 45, is that 45 times she's sworn then? Yes. Fun stuff. Um, yeah, so uh, we got um, we got a lot of time with gwen Ock, Not Ock to Gwen, gwen Ock, which felt really awkward to read and say out loud. Yeah, but honestly, I, I felt a little bit disappointed that gwen Ock wasn't uh like inherently evil because with a title like shadow clones i thought they were all just going to be evil versions of gwen and no it's her behavior is because she's being controlled by the cloner with the uh, chip on her on the back of her neck yeah um 
and and that, that that that's interesting. So like the, the they're not evil at a base level. Like they've not been indoctrinated. They're just being forced to be evil. And and like a lot of the science feels very like they've just come up with it. It doesn't feel like they have you know really. But like a few months have passed, and they have developed cloning technology, cloned Gwen and villains, replicated the technology those villains were using, and then have brain control developed like brain controlling devices for the villains that they cloned and like a lot of it just it feels like a very cheap way to just sort of just just come up with this technology which which wasn't really around in in earth 65 much which would make sense if jackal was the one who cloned gwen's villains but it doesn't seem like he's in the picture well not that we know of yet because like i mentioned before for all we know lila could have just commissioned this mystery person to create these gwen villain clones it, maybe she has a collaborator, so it's it's a combo. Like the cloner has the tech, but Lila has the money and some of the resources. Because I noticed that there was, I'm assuming that could be Gwen's blood on the web because they showed emphasis on that one panel. Wait, which panel is that? Sorry? It's when Lila blames Ghost Spider for Bennett's death. It's where she makes that face where it looks like half of her face is shrouded in darkness and then that blood is just running down through her face kind of almost looks like you know a creepy like it looks like it could be a mask of some sort but not really but yeah if you look at the uh, last panel after she swears vengeance there's blood on the spider web yeah you're right so that yeah no yeah that makes sense then wow good find I don't know if that's how she got Gwen's DNA because I'm not sure if that's a big enough sample to yield five clones. Maybe not, but I, I don't know. Like, like once you have it, you have it, you know? Um, yeah, I, I guess she could have collected blood samples elsewhere, like from other crime scenes. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be like how uh, Terry McGinnis's Batman Beyond was conceived. Uh, I, I, yeah, no, that, 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 was a, that was a decades long cloning comics thing. Um. Yeah. No. Except, you know, Terry's not a clone. He's Bruce's biological son. I mean, like, clones are biological children. I think only if, um, like, if the genetic source, the other fifty percent of it, came from somewhere else. Is Terry McGinnis a direct clone of Bruce Wayne, or is there a second donor? No, Terry is Bruce's son because uh, he's half of his biological mother. And because his father, his reproductive DNA was rewritten with Bruce's DNA because of Amanda Waller's nanites. So I would say then that, that maybe these, these aren't true clones, that they're actual just normal biological children in the sense that they are combinations of two donors. Is that where we're landing? No, no, I, I think my point I'm trying to make is that, you know, Gwen Ock and all of these other clones, that they're still 100% Gwen Stacy 65, but their brain patterns or well, partially um are based off off of these earth 616 villains is that true for the ones that are like mutated though oh and power source too so i guess maybe this is more leaning into water clone mj territory okay yeah i don't know i think it's confusing and i i don't like they have a whole like page where they explain the fake science of it like the the made up like in universe science of it i, I felt very unnecessary i i didn't need to know about it, <laughs> it was, you know i could have accepted yeah you could simply say that the five of them were just simply uh growing in the lab and then later lila or the cloner whoever they are were like uh, uh fly my pretties Honestly, yeah. Um, it did feel like they they could have done it. Yeah, no, I I feel like there was there was a more concise way of saying, yeah, you've been cloned. Like I feel like there was a different way of just bringing that one up. And then you noticed how uh, Gwen Ock, how despite being cloned with four other versions of herself, it's implied that she hasn't really seen her fellow clones. No, I. I, I would be interested to see if the other clones know each other then, or if... Um... Or probably her memories have been wiped of the cloning, and all she knows is that she's Gwen Stacy. Yeah, like, do they have memories of going to school? Do they have memories of, of like, you know, like, if they needed to take the subway, would they know how to do that? Because, yeah, Gwen Ock said that before uh, she was lobotomized, she said that she was going somewhere, but didn't remember where. 
are they like people who have been transformed like this like that's another thing like because because there is the implication that they were captured in some way like are we going to find that like the scientist lady has turned herself into a gwen as well like <laughs> i'm intrigued now i feel like that the cloner or lila just grew these five gwens in the lab but probably kept them separate from each other hmm. yeah i mean yeah fair enough that makes sense and Ock was just the very first one that she decided to release to the world yeah i mean i'd be interested to see how much time passes as well because gwenverse was very quick and like um contained within a like very shorter parameters yeah um and there's a time skip in this issue yeah yeah we already have a time skip which is why it feels a lot more like an ongoing i think um than the previous gwenverse did because the gwenverse stuff just happened sort of it's like one long string and then there's this whole debate about what's gwen's age right now really Honestly, this is uh, it's the most common discourse that I see in Spider Gwen, like discussion forums, like on the yeah. subreddit. The most common thread after casting X Y Z eighteen to twenty five year old blonde actress is Gwen. The second most common thread we see is uh, what is Gwen's age, yeah. um, and I think it's the same answer as ever, which is just that like whatever the writer decides it to be. Yeah, whatever the writer decides, but at least twenty. Maybe, but like the thing is, honestly, a riot could then go and contradict that, because I, I, I just I think that's the you know it's pretty strong likelihood of that happening, and I think you know Sean and Maguire was very keen to not confirm her age, even with the outlawed stuff happening, and um that that really came across that like whatever age she is, it's just it isn't super clear. She's she's um she's in university, right? She's college age, she's definitely that um i don't think they can escape that it would make sense if she was no longer a teenager especially after the you know prison time she's had to have a birthday like during prison so like that's why the uh, consensus would be like 20 at the very least yeah um so uh yeah that's what would make sense and and i think that um what we're seeing is maybe just it, there's there's a lot of spider gwen stories which sort of refrain from really getting into her age specifically but but enough that like are fairly specific like the stuff with outlawed could not have happened if she was over the age of 21 like they they set a really hard like rule for themselves there and i think they kind of shoot themselves a bit in the foot when they do that and then there's the fact that another year has passed because Norman mentioned in Gold Goblin that it's been a year since Last Remains occurred. The thing is, like, if if you add up every, oh, a year has passed, like, comments, then you end up being like, oh, well, a really long time has passed. None of these characters should be the ages we're saying they are, you know? And it's, you know, it's very confusing. So, yeah, I, I, I'm refraining from calling it, you know? I, I, I don't think you can after a certain point was it wasn't our original point about how um like what's the deal with gwen ock anyway <laughs> yeah um i i don't know how we got onto her age i think it was the uh, part about memories or something yeah i mean i just um i'm intrigued as to where it happened it might be that they are like alternate universe versions of gwen that they've like corrupted or whatever I, it's not clear i think they will explain it i think it would be really strange if if they were genuinely like just genetic clones that had been grown, because that means that they now exist and we've got to deal with them, and like all people that are like moving about on the earth. No, I think Gwen, um, when she went to Reed, Reed explicitly said that uh, Gwen Ock, she's not from another earth, she's a genetically modified clone. Yeah, so like the fact that she's not is just it is really awkward. I think definitely not ideal for her. <laughs> And then Auk gets into this existential crisis about how she's not real, which Reed debunks by saying that, like, that she's there. Of course, she's a real person. Mm. That was nice. I, I like Reed. Sort of gave her an existential crisis and then fixed it for her at the same time. Because yeah, you could tell like how Kazama, how they uh, depicted Gwen Auk, her sadness. I think at finding out that she's not the original and and depressed by finding out that she's a clone mm. and uh, not thinking that she's real mm. yeah it's a pretty i mean it's a tough it's a tough thing to hear right like it's got to be pretty rough yeah let's just hope that these clones if they decide 
to have them sticking around um, that they don't suffer through clone degeneration. Honestly, I think that might happen. Like, if they do set them up as, like, actual, genuine, like, human clone things, then, you know, we may very well see that. Yeah, or at least keep one or two clones. Yeah. Although I felt like uh, with Gwen Ock, yeah, I could see some of uh, Doc Ock's mannerisms in there, her speech patterns, how she was, like, posh and arrogant. Mm. Yeah, Ock is definitely arrogant. We know this. Yeah. And and how the and the fact that when Gwen Ock first met Gwen sixty five, she was like, "Are you sure that you're not a version of me?" Yeah, uh, it's quite funny. I think the interactions with them are quite funny, especially for like it to be sort of not like immediately clear. Like I think I think it's sort of like you went into it with the expectation that that it would be clear, you know, for them, but it's but it's not. You know, they're just as confused. So that gets me uh, thinking if uh, Gwen Rhino is just going to be like the original Alexei Sitsevich, that she's going to be this uh, big dumb oaf. Yeah, I think um, I think the fact that like Gwen Rhino is is a mutate and not a, a guy wearing a skin is that's a very much a different power set from what you know the original Rhino is. Yeah, Gwen Rhino takes more cues for being a mutate. Like from the uh, recent Spider-Man cartoons where, yeah, instead of a uh, a person being super glued into a rhino suit, it's just um, they take serum to mutate into a rhino person. Yeah, um, because like the rhino skin is like fused with like her skin, like yeah. they go in and out. Yeah, which is why we can't tell if she's wearing clothes or not. Yeah, which is, uh, is very convenient for David Nakayama. The only giveaway... Well, other than the uh, um, mutation affecting the side of her face for Gwen Rhino is that giant horn sticking out of her head. Yeah, I can't be comfortable. Nah. Can't wear a bike helmet with that. <laughs> but yeah, don't you think that um, with uh, yeah, our girl Gwen here, uh, she still doesn't want to remember the time that she had to... Uh, take the fight to finale well no she she does remember it, right she references it in the in the in the captions yeah yeah she references it but she said that um it wasn't a really fun time for her no it wasn't i, mean, I imagine it's quite traumatizing in in all honesty no yeah because yeah she had to uh like sacrifice them as batteries to defeat finale yeah it's, it's quite sad so when gwen ock asked her if they could visit each other she was like no not really that's funny. I guess she doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Uh, and then Gwen65 said this line about how Gwens are loners. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, Gwen is struggling a lot with wanting, like, like being able to have good relationships and, like, good friendships in this. Um, and I think that's probably going to be the focus is maybe, like, you know, whether she can hold a good, like, friendship. I think this is also mostly exploring her relationship with herself because at the end of Gwenverse, uh, she learned how to love herself. But in Shadow Clones, now because she has to face these villainous versions of herself, she slipped back into, even though it's um, a lesser extent, a self-loathing phase again. Yeah, I don't think they've. I, I think there's sort of a tension at the moment because they haven't really addressed the stuff that went off with like the Storm siblings and like why she had to leave because that's sort of why a lot of her relationships and friendships have like regressed and and haven't progressed for the past like few years of Spider Gwen comics and um because they've not touched on any of that it just feels strange um honestly I would like it if they maybe gave that a bit of thought and you know how they wanted to do that. And speaking of uh, holding down some things, she got a new job. She did. Like, out of nowhere. She works at Shake Shack. No, Smoothie Shack. Shake Shack is a uh, real-world restaurant. Did I write Shake Shack in the synopsis? Uh, yeah, you wrote Shake Shack. I, I thought for sure that Shake Shack was the place that was named. Damn. No, that's the IRL um restaurant. That's my bad. <laughs> but I think... Uh, I think readers and listeners, they'll probably understand what you meant. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, no, I didn't see that one coming. But yeah, I went to Shake Shack before. Their french fries and milkshakes, they're pretty good. Nice. We, we do not have that in the United Kingdom. What's the closest thing that you have to milkshake and french fries at the same place? It's not really, like, I mean, McDonald's obviously does it, but it's not really, like, milkshake culture is not big in the UK. I, I, I wouldn't say it's... Um, you know, like, I mean, you can still get, like, milkshakes at places, but there's never, like, a milkshake place. 
No, I only went to Shake Shack when I was in California last July. So we don't have them in Canada. So it's only in the US. And I think um, I think the Philippines has it too. There's a lot of like dessert places still. Yeah, it's one of those things. But yeah, anyway, yeah, she got a new job like out of nowhere. Yeah, she kind of did. I, I I mean, like obviously I think enough time has passed off panel to warrant that in, in a lot of ways, you know? But I'm thinking like, does she need the money to pay for school because Stark has that covered? Um, well, she probably doesn't have money in Earth-65, I would imagine. I don't think she and her father have a lot of money, and, and I don't think that you can have any transfer from Earth-616. Yeah, and plus, I think, speaking of her father, like, is Captain Stacy a cop again? Because MJ said that he had to rush to the police station because someone stole evidence from there after Tim Seeley just said that he was a former cop. Yeah, no, no, yeah, he's a cop again. People forget. Honestly, like, and, and even the, the symbiote isn't referenced. Like, there's a lot of, there's a lack of continuity, I think, here with, with previous. Yeah, like how Gwen had to change into her uniform when she's literally wearing the symbiote. She could just change into her uniform on a whim. Yeah, like, there's the whole, like, taking off her mask thing. She doesn't need to take off her mask. She doesn't need to do that. No, sometimes she did that uh, back in the Maguire era, like, taking off her mask manually. It was weird. I didn't like it. And how her boss, uh, he's a possible love interest, Mateo. Yeah, uh, she's flirting a lot with Mateo here. And honestly, um, as, a, as more of an MJ Gwen shipper, um, I, am, I am sad uh, to see her flirting with a man, but is what it is. Do I have to bring up like my secret agenda? <laughs> no, no, you don't. You don't have to bring it up. You don't have to mention that one. But I feel like if I mention it enough times, just like with uh, this being essentially her clone saga, I feel like um, it's like Beetlejuice. If I say it enough times, maybe it would happen. No, you, you don't have to do this, Abigail. You don't. You don't have to say it. And I, and I think I think you know we, we'll all sleep better for that. Um, <laughs> but in Gwen's inner monologue, she later then said that um, she doesn't really have the time to do dates. No. Um. And. Uh... Yeah, uh, I think that maybe we'll see some kind of progression with Mateo later on in this series, and we'll see how that pans out. And plus, even though it kind of sounds a little bit mean, I don't think Gwen would go for he who shall not be named because of his scars. Well, that's mean. That would be a very shallow thing not to go at, like, not, not, not the fact that he's 10 years older than her. And has the face of her dead best friend. Yes, I feel like those are maybe more wholesome reasons to, to not... <laughs> Not on that. But yeah, I don't think Gwen's that shallow. No, she's not. But uh, yeah, anyway, uh, even though you don't want to admit that this is a clone saga, I feel like it is. Uh, clone sagas are not good things. That's the thing, right? Like, clone sagas are like bad and like, 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 like universally bad and like flawed as a concept. We've gone over them so many times and it sucks that this is another one. Well, well Pete got one, Miles had one. Yeah, and and Gwen doesn't have to have one. She doesn't have to be tarnished in that way. Um, you know, she can get out of it. And uh, and I think it's a shame if it's thrust upon her against her will. You know, I guess this is her scouts badge or something. I don't know. It's a it's a really rubbish scouts club. That's what it is. That you have to be uh, involved in a clone saga just to get your badge. Yes. But uh, anyway, at least um, well, not that we know of right now. Uh, Jackal isn't involved. No, no Jackal here. Um, I think it would be interesting to see if she does collaborate with somebody in it. Well, Lila does need to have the technology. Yeah. And she only has, because her lab was blown up, all she has are resources. No, not resources. Um, Like, the resource of having Gwen's possible DNA on that spider web. Yeah. I think clearly she has gotten the DNA brain patterns or whatever of all of these characters that she, she needs. And plus, we don't even know what that secret time-sensitive experiment that she and Bennett were working on. No, we don't. That's quite interesting, I think. And how she lamented that, like, when the vulture blew up the lab, how she was like, oh, my work. Yeah, I think um, we're going to see what kind of scientist that she is. I'm quite intrigued. We don't even have a last name for Lila. No, we don't, actually. That's a good point. So it's like, do you think it, like it'll be revealed like later? And I'm not sure if... um. It's, if it seems like maybe uh, she and Bennett were closer than than we'd like to think, maybe like she could have been 
boyfriend, husband, best friend. I, I think they were at the very least like close enough work colleagues that you know it was something for her to cry about. Definitely. You mean like Fitzsimmons from the MCU? Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, just you know, what whatever fits the bill really, in in the description of that, and yeah, no, I, I think it just sucks for her to lose her, you know, her friend like that, even if they weren't dating. Although the romance would definitely make it more tragic. Yeah. I guess, um, like, because if Bennett really was also a romantic partner, then that would explain Lila's motivations to go after Gwen. Yeah, like, I would definitely give her more incentive, but it would be a fridging. It does feel a bit fridgy, I will say that. But uh, obviously, I think the gender dynamics are a bit more balanced. Yeah, a reverse fridging. Yeah, it's not as much. It's not. It's not really a thing. But if it were a thing, this would be it. You know, it just doesn't happen. But that often. <laughs> I think male fridging is a thing. Well, the fridging is specifically like it's a very gendered thing, right? So it's, it's specifically a, like a gendered trope. What about um maybe for a male fridging instead of a fridge, maybe they get thrown into the oven? Ovening, a cooking, I don't know. No, they've yeah, they've been ovened. Yeah, something like that. Or or they've been roasted. That's funny. Uh, which is uh like the cause of death of Bennett, an explosion, and explosions roast people. That they do. That they do. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we got a little bit of MJ here. Yeah, we did. Um, and, you know, she's an active part of the band. She's notably not Carnage. Um, big thing about her in this is that she is not Carnage. <laughs> no, although I noticed that her color scheme underneath her jacket is red and black. Oh, there you go. Carnage confirmed. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Maybe she could be acting like a sleeper agent until the next writer. Or if they give her... Uh, Gwen's book back to Maguire decides what uh, they want to do with her. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, and um, it's it's one of those things, right, where it could end up being like what Ultimate Demogoblin was that um, uh, that sort of similar situation where they introduced Mary Jane as this big mutated red supervillain for an event. Peter defeats her, and then you know the the arc ends, and then it's hinted at she can still become that villain um in a couple of places but then it's not picked up ever no i think only if uh, hickman or if they wanted to do yet another ultimate spider-man if they wanted to uh, pick up on that especially since it's been established that oz allegedly gives its users immortality yeah um i think that oz yeah like also that storyline sucks i hate that i hate that oz gives people immortality most annoying thing about ultimate spider-man in my opinion um like peter coming back to life green goblin coming back to life just for no other reason other than that they've been given this magic formula it's just so annoying yeah but with the uh, pages of mj we got here yeah we could tell that um even though uh, yeah she and gwen are still working to repair their friendship she's still a little bit cold to her yeah um there's a, there's a lot of tension in in these panels and i think that maybe like gwen has put some distance between her and her friends in this one yeah I even put the notes saying that she's mostly a combination of uh, Latour and Maguire's characterizations, but I would say that it's mostly Maguire. Yeah, the telling off stuff. It's a shame to see Gwen like not do things, I think. And when MJ told her, like, don't get lonely because she doesn't really have any other friends, well, other than the rest of the Spider-Verse, she was like, your dad doesn't count. Yeah, that's pretty brutal, that one, actually. Um, that was That was really mean. Well, I think that's uh, I think that's Maguire talking, and um, definitely, yeah, leaning more in that direction. Um, yeah, some choices were made there. Yeah, because she's still prattling on to Gwen about you know how she's still late for stuff like how she can't go to the road trip or like, even um, like band practice and stuff. Yeah, I think I think it's all quite a bit of a shame how it goes down there. But I'd love to see in later issues if uh. Another one of the Gwen clones just thwarts the road trip. Yeah, that'd be fun. Like, it, they could be hostages or something. But then uh, these clones would have to know where exactly the MJs would be going, since it seems like that these clones have their memories wiped, and all they know are their names and what are their powers. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I think we're going to find out more about them. I think maybe some of the other clones... I don't think the clones were made all at the same time. I think they may have been made out of order. Which should maybe give them a, a an interesting um or if they were kept in separate rooms 
Yeah, something like that. Like because the way like the ultimate clone saga worked was that like they had different relationships with each other. They didn't all have like the same blanket relationship. Yeah, I remember the ultimate clone saga. Yeah, they were all locked away in separate cells, and uh, Jessica Drew was the only one uh, released to the public. Yeah, I think just because Jess was their most successful one. She's the most functional one, like the one with the least like hangups, you know. I think a uh, least amount of hangups, but the most easy to manipulate. Yeah, she definitely worked for the government a lot in that. Like it was a whole thing. Yeah, because uh, everyone else like were like freaks. Yeah, that's uh, that's one way. Of... <laughs> well, especially Ultimate Kane. Yeah, was he the Scorpion one? No, Scorpion was just Scorpion. Kane, he had that half melted face. Oh, right. Yeah, I remember. I remember. And the one responsible for turning MJ into ultimate demogoblin. Yeah, it's going to bite me now. But yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to see all of these other alternate Gwen's personalities, but I feel like I don't think they're going to make Vulture Gwen act like an old lady just because Tombs is an old man. Uh, no. No, I don't. I don't think they need to um, too much, really. Um, I think it'd be funny if they did. I think it's just because Lila allegedly appropriated the villain's brain patterns onto the Gwen clones. Yeah. But then when you remove the control chip, they just act like everything's fine. And I just noticed this now when I'm looking at the book. But uh, you can see when you look at the back of Gwen Ock's neck, the port where the control chip was held. All right, there you go then. It's like you could stick it in there like a Lego. Oh, that's gross. Yeah, like she just has that on that final splash page when San Gwen enters. You can see the back of the neck featuring the port. Yeah, it's like it's exposed. That's grim. Yeah, which is why I would not be surprised if uh, all of these clone Gwens end up eventually turning on Gwen. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, um, I think you said that this was a win when I first uh, sent the solicit for number two, how Emily Kim has remembered that Reed Richards exists. Yeah, I think having Reed Richards here has been really nice. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I do wish that uh, he had more of an arc, like he had more development beyond, you know, being person with, you know, who helps with gizmos and stuff. Like I wish yeah. he had more character conflict as a person. I, I enjoyed that they had to sort of convince him to help them, though. I, I thought that was fun. No, it's more like a bribe, 20% off at the Smoothie Shack all summer. Yeah, no, I enjoyed that aspect. But um, yeah, I do I do wish he had more to do than just being this sort of like character who sort of comes in and like magically helps them and then like leaves and it's... Because I think it's implied Gwen doesn't really call him often. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I want to see what it's like when they're, you know, friends or like not friends. I want to, you know, see him get in an actual fight. Yeah, well, the last time he was seen was during Party People. Yeah, um, so I think he could be quite an interesting character, but he's just not utilized beyond being, you know, a person that they go to for help. Yeah, and even when they came to him for help, he still wasn't interested because he was like, uh, I don't know, I have to fix this algorithm, I got exams, I'll give you 20% off at my work for the whole summer, and then there's like, oh, I know what this device is. Yeah, it was, it was pretty funny, we'll give it that. Yeah, and... um. Yeah, I think uh, the elephant in the room is that we don't know how the Sinister Five came from 616 to 65 in the first place. I think I could buy if they followed Gwen home. Um, I don't see first, honestly. I don't, you know, it's not, I don't need to know necessarily. Um, it is is weird. But Lila would somehow need to get uh, her hands on their brain patterns and DNA. Yeah, I mean... I think we're maybe going to see more of that process um, in upcoming stuff. Well, it did say that issue number three is when uh, Gwen and the mastermind of these clones are finally going to meet face to face. So I'm I'm, I'm enjoying that. Um, yeah, no, I think Lila is like a you know like I, th- I think we'll see her process and you know what went on there. Do you think she has the potential to become a mainstay villain or like an OC that she can actually have without having to borrow from another Earth to become a variant? I think we need to see more more of her to reach that conclusion. Yeah. And I feel that um, even though I didn't include it in the notes here, do you want to talk about the art for a minute? Yeah, the art's good. I quite like it. I like how... um. 
Kay's armor draws, like the way that like Gwen swings. I think the sort of like the ex- there's a lot of expression in like the body language. I think than a lot of artists, it's a lot more dynamic, um, and you really feel the motion. Um, I don't know if it's the prettiest art style, but that's okay. Yeah, I fe- um, yeah I felt like with uh, Kay Zama because when I first heard that they were gonna be uh, tapped as the artist for the book, I was on the fence because uh, uh, th- some of their work in the past has been um, sometimes it's not consistent per se. Like some issues would be like a really really good, and then there are gonna be some other pages from different issues, or even in the same issue where some faces in particular would come off as kooky. Yeah, definitely uh, uh, Keizama's face game isn't on point, but I don't think that's because... Like, I think that's because they're really trying to draw faces differently. Um, I, I think that, that they do go for a really dynamic look, especially, like, look at the Gwen's hood when she's swinging. Look at how much motion is in the hood. And I think that, like, that that's shown across all of the art that all of it looks very... Um, like Keizama has a really good appreciation of motion and making it look realistic. Um, I enjoyed like especially like um the merry-go-round, the way that you know they get spun around and then there's that one panel where there's like oh, three yeah, the three Arquens. Yeah, there's the three Arquens. Um, and there's also there's a really gratuitous use of I think like big splash pages and I love 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 the one where it's um Ock Gwen standing above like the 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 fun fair and like Gwen's just stood below her oh, and yeah. just yeah like every every panel feels very dynamic and I think it makes up for that maybe this isn't as pretty as as what a lot of other artists are yeah Kazama um, makes up for it with with the body language of the characters yeah the the rhythms there I mean I mean don't get me wrong like um yeah, but but yeah, no, I, I I enjoy it a lot. I like, like even the hair. There's a lot of motion in the hair, and there's a lot of really small details. Like I think it's very detailed panels. I don't think any room feels bare, and I think every outfit has a lot of like little touches. Like I think Mary Jane having a scrunchie around her wrist is a very specific detail, and I think that was really clever. Like I think that just you know makes the characters look very lived as people. But at least uh, most of the time, Keizama is consistent because the way they drew MJ was the same way they drew MJ during the Web Weaver story, albeit that version of MJ during Web Weaver is a little bit older, but I can see the resemblance. Yeah. No, I, 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 I stand. I thought this was a good go of, yeah. of you know, trying to do Earth 65. Um, in particular, I think the, the colorist, um, who I haven't read anything of, uh, Triona Farrell did a really good job. There's a lot of pinks and there's a lot of like good Earth-65 shades being used. Like it's still for like Earth-65, even though I don't think Keizama's art is particularly Earth-65-y, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I did appreciate how uh, Keizama did these anime-esque stereotypical faces that Gwen had. Like first of all was when Gwen made that face when MJ reminds her that she's late for work. You know, that big blank expression with the uh, two wide eyes. Yeah, very, very anime, very manga. <laughs> and then the second one was when uh, Gwen asks Reed if uh, Gwen Ock is basically uh, her child with Dr. Octopus 616, how she has that expression, you know, that sort of annoyed look. Yeah, no, I, 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 I like the, I like that aspect of it. Yeah. Although, you know, Gwen Ock's not really Gwen 65's and Doc Ock 616's a child per se um, because most of that genetic material is from Gwen. The only thing that came from Otto was the brain patterns and his tentacles. So I guess you could say like um, that Gwen Ock is just basically the brain child of Gwen and Ock. Okay, that's funny. Not a love child. No, that's totally different. No, it's, it's um, yeah, it's not that. <laughs> Definitely not that. Because I think as far as I'm concerned, the Gwen clones are at least 90% of Gwen 65's DNA. Yeah. Um, you know, I really felt that. They don't look as, I want to say, like, anything like, like, they, they want, they look like a Gwen clone, you know? They don't look like a, like an Ock clone necessarily, you know? They're an Ock-flavored Gwen. Yeah. 
But then uh, I think you called this the last time we were uh, uh, hanging out how the issue might end with Sand Gwen entering, and you called it. Yeah, Enter Sand Gwen should be the name of that podcast episode when we do it. Oh yeah, I was actually thinking about doing that, just yeah, call it Enter Sand Gwen. I'm thinking about calling this one my own worst enemy just because uh, the featured clone is Doc Ock, and then, you know, Superior, Doc Ock. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Yeah, but then, yeah, you could see that expression uh, from Sand Gwen's face, how it looks like, yeah, even though she's coming into attack, she doesn't look happy. She looks depressed. Yeah, she looks really down. She looks like it's a very dramatic pose that she's in, and the, the like. The lighting is all strange, so I I don't know if if there's going to be like more of that kind of attitude from this particular character. <laughs> but it was it was definitely interesting. And you know, plus you know, Sandman, uh, because recently he's not uh, really written as a villain anymore. It just depends on what his mood is. Yeah, I know it's that. Um, I I do, I do think it's a bit of a shame. Like if writers have like done the work to, um, make him not evil. And then yeah. people like coming in and making me evil. It's like, what was all that for then? Yeah, this was even acknowledged back in the ASM 900 where Sandman was uh, part of the Sinister Six again. And then Pete asked him, like, aren't you supposed to be not a villain? And then Flint was like, I don't know. What does that even mean? Like, what is it? Goddamn. Uh, they don't try. They don't try with Sandman. They could They could have made him normal. Because, yeah, the last heroic thing Sandman like tried to do was, you know, arrest the pedophile back in Curse of Carnage. Yeah, I remember that. I, like, what's going on? Like, what is going on with any of the stuff they were doing with him? So, so what, because um, I don't think, um, because according to his uh, profile on Wiki, like, he's not bipolar, so that no, wouldn't I'd... explain, like, why he's flip-flopping. I think it's just right at contradicting each other. I, I think I think it's as like straightforward as that, honestly. I think it's you know, they're not consistent enough. But do you think you would buy an in universe explanation that it just depends on his mood? I don't know. It, it it's I d I don't know. No, I d I don't think I would, honestly. I think I think it's just it's just sloppy writing, that's what it is at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. When I saw Sandman in Gwen's universe, like, he's not a villain. Well, not right now. Well, at least not supposed to be a villain, like the last time he was written no it's it's a shame i think i think it's definitely a shame um that they're writing him this way but this craven don't you think it would be like as in um the last son of craven back in the spencer run yeah it has to be it can't be it can't be craven proper they definitely have to maintain continuity with that surely well where was continuity during sinister war when scorpion was suddenly brought back yeah we don't we don't think about that i can't think about sinister war it makes my brain hurt <laughs> Yeah, but uh, anyway, is did we go through everyone that we have to say? I think we maybe maybe we have, unless if there's some some point that we were missing from one of the characters. No, yeah, I mean, um, uh, I just my final opinion is this is a really good start. Um, I'm looking forward to new stuff, and yeah, um, I I'm I'm really forward to see what this creative team is going to bring to the table, and um, I I hope that they you know they they do this character's justice. Yeah, I pretty much have the same thoughts as you as uh, I'm looking forward to what this creative team has to offer since they're practically newcomers to Marvel and, well, Spidey Office in general, and then how to handle someone who has fairly new continuity like Gwen here. And um, I'm just hoping that um, that they keep to this continuity and, uh, like, basically do her character and history justice since there's a lot to uh, consider when writing her in the future but also at the same time honoring the spirit of Gwen 65 and who she basically is yeah 100% so uh should we tease for what what we're gonna be doing for the next episode so yeah so uh to uh commemorate the 50th anniversary oh, I'm closing. my bad i will stop talking <laughs> So, um, yeah, for our next episode, yeah, this is also going to be another landmark thing, but because there's going to be a special anniversary coming up, it's going to be 50 years. Well, according to the, uh, um, actual issue release date, not the cover date, but we're doing it by the, uh, releasing date anyway, because it's the actual 50 years. 
But yeah, we will be commemorating the 50-year anniversary of the night Gwen Stacy died. And you're thinking, what does this have to do with Gwen 65? Well, I think without this event, we probably wouldn't have Gwen 65. Yeah, I feel like it has everything to do with Gwen. So we're going to react to the thing which was so bad that it made them completely change the character 50 years later. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so anyway, yeah, we're going to put the links in the description of where to buy and to read this. Uh, Yeah, Spider-Gwen Shadow Clones number one is available on Comixology or the Marvel app, whichever one you use. It's also available at your local comic book store. We're also going to put a reading list for Spider-Gwen Ghost Spider, which you still have to update. Yes, I I have to do a lot with that subreddit. I'm procrastinating so bad. So yeah. Anyways, if you want to send us any emails or thoughts on the show, you can tweet us at gsgroupies or email us ghostspidergroupies at gmail.com. We also have a Kofi page if you want to chuck in a few bucks to help us with the upkeep. That would be much appreciated. Yes, please. But uh, anyway, thanks everyone. I've been Abigail. And I've been Pax. Bye. Bye-bye.